Welcome everybody to True Exact Show. I'm here with Brian, Dan, Eric, and our special guest today as Shark Week continues here on this show is Paul Clerken, shark researcher. Now, uh, Paul, first of all, thanks for joining us. You might know him from Alien Sharks if you watch the Discovery Channel. Uh, really interesting stuff. This is going to be one of our favorite episodes to get into because it involves like deep sea unknown and things like that. So before we get into that stuff, Paul, tell us about yourself and how you got into the aquatic life and stuff like that. Uh, okay, cool, man. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of fell into shark stuff. It's kind of funny. Um, you know, I just, I liked animals when I was a kid the whole time. I was like, always like trying to catch like snakes and uh, you know, like birds and everything like that. And then, um, and uh, eventually I decided I wanted to study animals and I just like the ocean, you know, you have to go, what, you know, terrestrial avian or, uh, or in the ocean. So I was just studying, you know, marine biology and I decided to focus on sharks. And I think it was my first, um, it was my, my first or second year at my, um, at my lab when I went to grad school, I, I got a phone call from discovery and they, they asked if they could tag along on one of my expeditions. Wow. And then, um, yeah, so it happened real quick. And then since then, it's been pretty fun. Um, you know, it's, uh, I've got to go do a lot of research in different areas, um, discover some new species of sharks, or um, work with some pretty rare species. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of that is because I've been able to get, you know, some of these, these shows and do some high-profile projects. Now, when you were growing up, was that what you wanted to do? Like some people say, oh, I want to be an astronaut and whatnot. Was there anything else you aspired to be in high school? And you just like said, nah, I'm going this route. Uh, well, you know, like the first thing, like when I was real young, I was, um, I just liked animals. So it wasn't, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own a pet shop is what I wanted. Like, <laughs> that's when I was like a little kid because I was like, I just have pets like all the time. Uh, and like that, like it, like did my parents are not cool with that? They're like, you know, you're not gonna make any money. And I was like, oh, I'll be a vet. And they're like, no, you won't make any money. So they, they really thought I should be a, a medical doctor. So I was actually like all in to be a medical doctor for um for a long time, most of like my uh, undergrad. And I was uh I was volunteering at a hospital. I, I worked in like the ER and um, birthing and ortho and neuro and. Um, all that stuff and I would like go twice a week and I would like I would just hate it so much I would hate like the um like the my days off I would like not I, like I would hate getting closer to the days that I worked there and it's, I mean like a lot of us don't like going to hospitals and I, I've, I've I found out like oh yeah like why would I like this I, I hate going to hospitals um and so even though like I'm glad that there's people that do it and it's really important I, I think this is a really important uh volunteership for me because I found out like you know, I could have, uh, I would have put a lot of time and energy into getting like a medical degree and then just like show up there and realize that like I was really not happy there. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't want a doctor that doesn't want to be there too. So well, thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's still something that happens. I mean, um, I, I was in like a pre-med um, group during my undergrad and it's like a serious problem because people like, you know, they get focused and they're like, well, you know, I want to have a good education. I want to have like a job where I feel like I'm doing something and people, you know, people get their medical license. It's like they're trying to weed them out now more in the interview process to make it less about grades and more about maybe your temperament and, you know, your inspiration to help people. But it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a, a problem. How so you, you were always into animals. How did you make that dive into like really loving the deep sea 
sharks compared to a normal, say, like great white thresher mako? How did you really dive into that? Uh, yeah, so that, that transition, you know, I was into yeah, animals and then mar marine animals. Um, and studying sharks, I, um, uh, I kind of transitioned when I went to the Indian Ocean. Um, they were catching a lot of sharks as bycatch. They catch them by accident while they're deep sea fishing. Uh, and they got so many weird ones, um, just like, you know, deep sea little lantern sharks, ones that glow in the dark, uh, ghost sharks, they were getting all these sleeper sharks. And, um, and I really just liked the, the biodiversity. Um, and, um, and, you know, and then all the deep sea stuff was really interesting because it's so- What depth is, yeah. like, considered to be, like, deep sea? Like, that's what, like, I couldn't wrap my head around is, like, where do you, like, you, like, I know there's probably, di like, different areas, but, like, what would you consider, like- yeah, that's when we kind of all have to kind of eyeball as scientists. It gets a little bit confusing because uh, the idea is like, there's all these different areas. There's like, um, you know, there's a, the area at which light penetrates the water. Um, that is the area where it can penetrate enough for photosynthesis. There's an area where it, it penetrates, but there's not enough for photosynthesis. And there's the area where it, it doesn't really penetrate. And that's kind of what we use for deep sea. It's just when there's not really... Uh, enough light which we just kind of uh, you know to, to see and stuff and that's what we, we say that's at about 200 meters um which is not that deep you know it's like uh, 600 feet but um mm -hmm. it also uh, obviously is going to vary with water quality how much materials in the water and how much light there is so it fluctuates and there's also animals that go up and down through the water column so how do you figure out which ones are deep sea animals or not but uh they answer your question 200 <laughs> meters <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, because like, from like all the great presentations that you've given, like that was the one thing that like I just couldn't wrap my head around was like, like you were saying, a big issue is a lot of the uh, people who are fishing accidentally catch these fish. I'm like, oh, how deep are these really? And pretty close to the surface, especially being 600 feet. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the sharks are coming from from deeper. I would say uh, closer to like a thousand meters. You know, 300 feet. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the deep sea, as we kind of, you know, think about it as just like, uh, deep, dark water is, uh, probably the majority of, um, not only the ocean, but of our, uh, inhabitable biome. Have, have you ever seen the movie Titanic? <laughs> yeah, I've seen Titanic. <laughs> so, so, you know, in the beginning when they dive down, they said this, this, these windows are eight inches thick, so if they break, then we'll be done. So I always think about that whenever we talk about deep, deep, deep sea fishing or something like that. How do animals survive in that environment? I know it would crush us, but how? What do they have that we don't? Um, I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of it is just kind of. Um, so if we went down in a sub, you would have to there'd be so much pressure on the outside and um, it would just crush the inside because that is not pushing, putting out as much pressure. But since the animals are just going down, it's kind of like their internal force is pushing out against the, uh, the water pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah. So something like air um, is a problem because it would, you know, uh, compress or uh, a bigger problem is for one fish when they come to the surface, their swim bladder, uh, bladders expand. But since fish are mostly, uh, you know, mostly water and they, they don't, you know, need a submarine to go into the ocean. Um, it's, it's the uh, inside pressure balancing, um, pushing against the outside pressure, if that makes any sense. Interesting. So, so could fish that like stay to the top of the water, could they make it all the way down there or is it tougher for them? Uh, I mean, I, I think the transition is always stressful. Um, mm -hmm. 
I, I think it, it would maybe depend on, on the fish and the, uh, you know, whatever gases are in its body. Uh, a bigger issue would um, be like temperature change, mm. um, you know, and its ability to like see or swim, whatever like that. But um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting uh, question. We have not done any studies that I'm aware of. We're sending surface fish to the bottom of the ocean, but um, yeah. Hey, let me know if you need I, help. <laughs> just putting different fish into the bottom. Right now, Eric's goldfish are like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey. now, what, I know we're talking about sharks, but just to switch a little bit, what about um, like blue whales? Because I know they dive really deep. They'll go down and catch giant squid, and I mean they're going. I had seen it was like two, three hundred meters down. And then they're coming back up. And that's something that's a, it's a mammal, you know, and it needs air. So it's coming up and getting the air and then diving down to such a great depth. Uh, yeah, I feel like you guys are like trying to throw me curveballs with these whale questions and <laughs> I'm a shark guy. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, that, that, that's a good point. Because um, uh, a lot of animals, uh, mammals can dive really deep. And I, I think they just have a lot of... Um, physiological adaptations. I forget there's a species of, uh, of seal that can like go really deep and they like exhale. So there's no air in their lungs and they can actually like collapse their lungs. They have some special coating for the inside of their lungs. So like they can collapse and uncollapse them. No problem. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know all the adaptations, but I think it's just a lot of, you know, adaptations to let these animals go take advantage of a food source in the deep ocean. Mm -hmm. Paul, oh, um, all right, to me, you're like, this is a weird analogy. You're like a Pokemaster in the deep sea. Like, to me, you're going out there catching Pokemon that are unknown right now. Like, you just, like, you know, that's how I feel. Don't butcher, don't butcher the, it's called Pokemon. 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 Like, how, why the Indian Ocean is that more prevalent to, like, is that less explored than the other oceans? Or are you just, like randomly pick that one to go find your ocean. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think the, the Indian Ocean is really, really uh, underexplored. A, a lot of the time, people just kind of refer to it as a black box. Um, there's just not a lot of research, especially in the, in the deep sea offshore. Um, there's a little bit more going on along the coast, uh, but that's still probably in its infancy, depending on, uh, on the country. But the, uh, there's not a lot of boats fishing just like the offshore and not a lot of that information is making it back to, um, to researchers. So I, I have, um, kind of a, a contact over there and they were trying to get somebody to go along and see what kind of, you know, sharks they were getting. And I just volunteered to go. And then, um, yeah, we got a lot of sharks that were, um, pretty uncommon, pretty rare. And then we got, uh, over a dozen that were new to science. Um, and that was just on one trip, you know, um, uh, we did another trip. We found more new species, and I also there's there's a uh, fish and invertebrates, and I've shown them to experts, and they also think they're probably uh, mostly new species. Uh, now, how do you go about finding out that they haven't been discovered before, and how do you go about naming them? Because there has to be a fight on the boat. I know I'd want to name everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, uh, Scott fish too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so th there's not a lot of um, there's not a ton of rules in like naming an animal, but it's really frowned upon to name it after yourself. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, I I I think it's like one of those like oh you're not supposed to like 
it's you're supposed to be more humble. But there's like okay. there's like so many like people name them after their favorite bands. Right. Um, I, I heard someone named one. Uh, the it was a catfish. They called it the bollocks catfish, um, which is, is like Blink what that thing. Right, right. I think there's one after made after Metallica. There's a there's all these. I mean, there's a there's a green lantern shark, which is like obviously that's just like you know yeah that's a pretty good one. Um, I there's a whole bunch of funny ones. Like I guess taxonomists get bored and start doing that stuff. Um, but yeah, so I actually I named a I named a shark after the the boat that I was on. They seemed to like that. Nice. That's humble of you. It's it'd be a, it, it would suck if Shark could understand us and they've already been given a name by like their family and they're like that's not my fucking <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how many species have you actually discovered that is new? Uh, so we've just I've discovered about um about a dozen. Um, the, the number is probably a little bit higher, but it's it gets a little bit complicated because there are um, species that look pretty different and you can separate them out consistently based on the location, but genetically they haven't diverged enough to be considered their own species. Okay. And there's like the opposite where there's like species that are different. They come, the, the genetics come back, they're unique and I just can't tell them apart. I can have one specimen in, e in each hand and there's like no way to tell them apart. So those ones, it gets a little bit complicated because, you know, is it a species? Is it a complex of species? And we're not really sure how to move forward with that stuff um, i'm planning to investigate it in the future a little bit more when i have time to like you know sit down and study it but um yeah so the safe number is about a dozen Jeez. and uh so far we've named about six of those with six uh still in the in the description process and who proves those um so i mean we uh we write it into um you know an article and we sub uh, we um submit it to a, a peer-reviewed journal and it's reviewed by whatever experts that the journal has, um, you know, agreed to review it. They're usually uh, anonymous, so I don't know who reviews it. But, you know, if there's going to be a genetic component, they would ask a geneticist. If it's going to be a lantern shark, they'll ask other people that have uh, either worked with or described lantern shark species. But, um, yeah, we try to be pre pretty thorough. We have, like, a, a description, and then we put in... Uh, a, uh, like a comparative part where we compare it to every known species in that genus and show how it's different. Then there's like, you know, uh, all the measurements. So it's not just qualitative. It's not like, Oh, it had big eyes. You can, you can say, you know, the eyes are this big as a ratio to this body length. And then we have a, a genetic component too, to kind of like, you know, show that we have some, some DNA, um, support. I'm sure we'll go over some of the sharks that you know have been on your show. The one I saw, which how creepy is the saw shark? Is that the sawtooth one? <laughs> now this one has teeth on its beak, not its mouth, right? So it's legit like a saw. How how does it exist? And did you what's the, what was your thought the first time you saw something like that? When you actually catch these, are you like this is a nightmare? Like are they <laughs> as scary as you think they're gonna be? So I've uh, I've never worked with them. I've seen them like in aquariums and stuff like that. Um, one of my friends, Dean Grubbs, works with them pretty regularly, and uh, yeah, he says they're just strong. There's like the sawfish, which are um, are, are bigger. Um, the saw sharks are uh, you know pretty small. Sawfish get huge, and he said they're just like you know they're just made to thrash that rostrum around. And he told me that um, that uh, they have actually like punched holes in the side of his uh of his aluminum boat wow. Ow. 
I just looked it up. <laughs> yeah. This is terrifying. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the one that, like, really, like, has been giving me nightmares uh, since I was, like, looking into some of the other interviews that you've done is the goblin shark. That thing, <laughs> oh. the teeth of that thing are just... It wakes up every night. <laughs> like, <it's>... <laughs> but, like, it, like, when you get stuff like that, like, there's nothing, like, you describe it as it's just blubbery like how is that different from like not blubbery but like just its body is different from other sharks how so um yeah i mean a lot of the deep sea sharks they're um they're kind of yeah flabby is the mm. word that i always kind of think of and uh, i think part of that is um just to save energy you know and, and you also you just don't need as much uh, rigid structure living in the water. They can kind of just, you know, it's like a water balloon flo floating in a bucket. It's like, you know, it's just going to float there. So I think a big part of their, um, the way that they survive is that they just use like as little energy as possible and they cruise around and they just, you know, they kind of just float. Um, a lot of them are kind of like, they have large livers and they're kind of almost squishy, like a, almost like, a, yeah, almost like a water balloon. And it's just, they have a really large like liver that helps them store energy, but also, uh, increases their buoyancy, so they have to like they don't have to swim as much to stay afloat. What you just described could also describe my body. Water balloon in a bucket. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, for the deep sea. Okay, go on, Brad. Go on, Brad. Um, so I, this is something that it's always stood out to me. It's something that's very interesting to me. Can you describe uh, briefly what exactly causes bioluminescence? Okay, yeah, um, bioluminescence um, is it's really cool. And there's there's two uh, there's different ways that animals wind up having bioluminescence in their bodies. Um, one is usually um, a symbiosis with a bacteria that, like you know, makes this bioluminescent uh, fluid. And there's also uh, a protein that some animals can, can make. And that's almost all I can tell you. I don't know a whole bunch about it. I, I know it's, it's kind of a high energy uh, protein that, um, that I, I think the sharks actually have uh, the protein, whereas other animals will have like uh, a symbiote um, that makes it. But um, it's a high energy protein that is pretty much like ready to go. Um, and as soon as they need it, it's kind of like cracking a glow stick. It's all like, you know, set and prepared and it can glow. Now, is it, is it like generating some type of electricity or is it just a, um, like a glow stick type thing where it's like a chemical reaction more? Yeah, my understanding is it's more of a chemical reaction. And I, I think it's, it's very uh, efficient. There's not a lot of like heat loss or anything like that. I think it's, um, uh, people have been talking forever about like studying bioluminescence as a way to like, you know, come up with more efficient heat with less, less energy loss. I don't think anything's really happened with that technology, but um, yeah, I think it's just a like a, a protein um, that's high energy and ready to go, almost like a cracking a glow stick. That's pretty that's awesome. cool. Um, now, for, one thing I want to touch on this: the one guy I, I forget the show he does. Forrest Galante does a show, Extinct or Not Extinct, on uh, one of these channels. Are there any extinct uh, species out there that you? maybe are looking for that you guys don't think are actually gone that you think that you're like a Loch Ness type thing you've been searching for. Is there any one type of um, species that man, you hit the gold mine if you find, you know, Megalodon. 
<laughs> that's right. He, he knows. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple. Uh, I mean, I, I think new species are exciting. Um, there's a couple of species that have been kind of um, not seen for a really long time. For some reason, uh, a lot, you know, a shark can go without being seen for, you know, uh, decades and it's not really considered extinct because we don't really know. So that, um, considering a shark extinct, um, doesn't happen very often. Uh, I think it might've only happened once if I remember correctly, but, um, yeah, there's definitely species that are like hard to find, um, that, that I would love to look for. Um, I mean, there's a honeycomb cat shark, which was, uh, it's disappeared for, for ages off of Madagascar and is without a trace. Um, and that one wasn't even described until after it, it, it disappeared. So that's the project I would like, you know, I've been thinking about doing. Uh, there's a species of shark that's only been found once in the diet of another shark. Um, so that one, I don't even know how you start looking for that one, you know, but uh, that would be a, amazing to learn anything about that species. Uh, you know, it's almost like just getting like a hair clipping of a Bigfoot, you know, like it's, you get a, a little bit, but you want to actually find the, find the shark. Um, and then, yeah, there's a couple of, so, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I thought you were oh, no, I was just going to ramble on about different species that I, I'd love to encounter. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, how did they even find out that that was a new shark in the shark's diet? They just found it in its stomach or, and they just tested it and said, we don't know what DNA this is. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things. They're probably just like cutting open the shark and like doing just running, they don't die to see what these things have been eating and they probably didn't recognize it. Um, and sometimes they can, uh, I, I don't know if they back this one up with DNA or not, but they were able to describe it as a new species just based on the, the parts of it that were left. Um, oh yeah. And one really cool one is like the pocket shark, which was, um, there's two specimens known and they're both different species and they're both in different, um, genuses, uh, I believe. And um, yeah, that one was found. It was in a freezer for a couple of years. It was part of a, a survey for sperm whale diet, and they um, and they just found it. And it was like this really strange shark. It has a, kind of a bulbous head, and it has like these pockets behind its pectoral fins with like um, bioluminescent fluid in it. Um, and so it's only been seen like once before, and that's a different species. And so as soon as they saw it, they knew it was something. But it was just sitting along, you know, with a bunch of frozen fish they got. It was sitting in a freezer for, I think, like four years or something before they went through their samples and found it. Mm. Be honest, how competitive is it? Like, is it, do you guys have your crew going out and like their other crews going out? Does it get the twister? Like, to, to <laughs> <go> <laughs> Or do you guys all like group for the research? Like, oh, if you guys find one, we all win type thing. Or is it like twist? <laughs> two boats. Like, that's my shark. Everyone's freaking. <laughs> uh, it's competitive, man. It's yeah, uh, it's competitive. It I mean, like, yeah, yeah. It's um. I mean, I, I think everyone is rooting for the science. Um, there's a, but there's you know there's a lot of egos in the shark world, and um, sometimes it gets less focused on like you know on the on the research but i mean there's a ton of stories i shouldn't tell you guys but there's like you know especially the old stories where um the good ones are like you know you could, you could my wait advisor heard from this guy you can wait till we're done recording that? if you want you can wait till oh, we're yeah. done recording okay. if you want you don't have to you don't have to blow anyone's yeah. spot up i don't want you to get in trouble oh no no <laughs> <laughs> no there's like good ones you know especially from like the, the grandfathers you know like people like that have stories like my advisor told me that so and so and like the, um, it's cutthroat. Um, there's actually, 
back in the day, I'm trying to remember, there was this guy named Garmin, and he was, he was a researcher. Um, his old advisor, like, sent out, when he was applying to, to get um, into a lab, he, he, his old advisor sent out letters of uh, disrecommendation. Mm. Um, and it just, like, wow. just, like, run in his mouth. Yeah, I know, which is, like, a lot of effort. And this was, like, before email, you know? Yeah, and he also didn't know where he was going. So he just, hand, yeah, he, like, hand-wrote all these letters and mm -hmm. sent them out everywhere he could think of. What? <laughs> I, picture a, I, I picture a feather pen, Yeah, like I do, too. Quill, yep. like oh, yeah. Like, all right, again. Yeah. <laughs> what and just running his mouth with, like, real mean language, you know? Just, like, yeah. saying real, really terrible stuff. This guy like thinks he knows yeah, the, yeah, he was the first tweeting. Yeah, yeah. Before, <laughs> well, cool. I have one more. I have one more question. It's kind of off the brand of sharks, but it has to do with the Indian Ocean. That I know Brian and Dan and Eric probably have some. Now, uh, the Indian Ocean is very choppy, and like you said, it's very different than the other three, right? Um. Uh. Yeah. The Malaysian flight from like 2014. I don't. I know you're not an expert on this. They they said it landed in it. Like, is it, is it possible that these species and, you know, ate some of the stuff or it'll never be found because of how choppy the waves are and things like that? If you have any knowledge of that, like your expert opinion. Okay. Well, okay. Where I'm going to, I'm going to talk. I'm, I'm definitely like not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not like, you know, really qualified to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, I think it, it was hard for them to find the plane just because there's so little um, like detail mapping out there and there's so little um, like work. There's like not a bunch of boats um, out there working and, you know, uh, actually I, I, I did a trip out there shortly after that crash and the boat I was on was like involved in the, in the search because they were one of the few boats that was like out in the, in the way far offshore um, that had like maps of the area. They map for their own fishing, but um, you know, they're kind of competitive, so they're not throwing this out for everybody. Otherwise another fishing company could swoop in. Um, wow. But they had a, they, they, they mapped a bunch of seamounts out there. So they're exchanging that information confidentially with, um, you know, the groups that were looking for the flight. All right. Now, you know, that was, you know, that's fine. I just wanted to know because I know you did a lot of work out there. <laughs> I know that was a curveball, but I had never met anyone who was out. And that flight disappearance fascinates me. So I just wanted to know. Sorry about the curveball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, man. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, I just like, you know, I, if, uh, I, that's what I know about it. And it was interesting the people on the boat were talking about it. But just in case, you know, uh, I, I don't want anybody to think that I, I know what I'm talking about in any time. We've got an insider. <laughs> 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 he knows too much. <laughs> uh, go on, guys. Sorry about that. Are so, there any, go ahead. Right. All right. Are there any types of sharks found in any of the Arctic oceans, or it's too cold for them there? Uh, I mean, you do get. Um, I think it's mostly like the um, the Greenland shark and the Pacific sleeper sharks, um, and the southern sleeper sharks that are really like more of the the deep cold sharks and they, they have like a bunch of really cool um adaptations to um to survive I mean, they, they essentially have like antifreeze in their bodies to stop them from like you know freezing up when it gets super cold but that's mostly it i mean um a lot of the sharks are in warmer water um you know and they're they're in the uh about half the sharks are deep species about the other half are you know not deep deep sea species well, the Greenland one you were saying was um, the skin is poisonous. I think you were said in other interviews or something like that. Oh, 
Yeah, that's what I'm actually really interested in because uh, they have um, so much uh, um, ammonium and chemicals in their body that if you eat them, you'll, you'll die. Um, and, but that does not stop humans, right? So they found a way to like, I, they like, um, they ferment it. I think there's human urine involved and I think they smoke it and bury it and smoke it and bury it, something like that. And it slowly breaks down the toxins. If they don't do it right, you get um, shark sick or uh, shark drunk will kind of like make you feel like kind of drunk. Um, is it because that specific shark is only eating dead animals or is it like just it's that, how it is? <laughs> that's part of how it like, um, how it, it, it maintains like buoyancy uh, in, the, in the water, neutral buoyancy, and also um, tries to stop the salt water around it from leaching out the water um, while being... Um, like resistant to freezing. Mm-hmm. How many clues um, do you need to not eat something? We pee on it, we bury it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, if someone was like, this shark will kill you, and then they're like, okay, but what if I pee on it? You want to try it then? <laughs> yeah. Like, that doesn't people, sound any better to me. <laughs> people eat it to get drunk. I know, like, in the Amazon, they lick, uh, like, the stomachs of the frogs, oh, poisonous. Shit. Yeah, do, the, do people eat sharks to get high? You know, I've heard it called like shark drunk, but I, I don't think it's supposed to be like a fun experience. It's also called like shark sick. And, I, you know, I think it just kind of throws you for a loop and you probably threw up a lot. And, um, you know, I, I think also um, I think people are still eating it now culturally. And I, I think um, tourists go and eat it. And I, I've been told it tastes terrible, you know, as yeah. you can imagine. Um, but I, I think it was also like an like when people have very limited resources and these, these sharks um, are very large and you can catch them, it makes sense to like try to yeah. eat them. I, I think they still, they feed them to like their sled dogs and stuff like that. Uh, I can see American high school students like, we're going to go sharking this weekend, bro. And just oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new Tide Pod. Yeah. That's how I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, humans yeah. Suck. I can see that being a news, a news story. Yeah, humans yeah. are you know, trash. What? We're trash. Yeah. We're just trash. Like, seriously, like, I got oh, this is drunk poison. and then shout out a bunch of shark sugar. Yeah, but like, yeah. this is like, oh, this is poisonous. Don't touch it. I'll show that shark. It's yeah. not the boss of me. Just don't eat it. Like, nothing tastes that good. Just don't fucking yeah. eat it. I mean, I get it if, like, his, to his point, like, if there's no other food, then you got to pee on it, bury it. Yeah. I, don't oh, know. I don't know the recipe. Uh, there you guys are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're good. You're good. I lost you guys for a second. Um, really quick, I want to just ask. I got a couple fan questions. Is that all right with you guys? All right, Paul. I got a couple questions uh, here. Simple one here. Um, if you encounter a shark, how could you tell the difference between a male and a female? Okay. That one is actually very straightforward. Um, they have pelvic fins located around, you know, where you'd imagine the, the pelvic. And the males actually have uh, an appendage, which is part of the fin, which is rolled up and is like, you know, their, their phallic tool that they use to transfer sperm into the female. They have two, one per fin, uh, and you can usually just see them. So it's, it's very straightforward, um, especially, you know, if there's a, a mature male. Actually, I did not know that. All right, all right, Rob. Um, is there anything you could compare the sharpness sharpness of a shark's tooth to, as a like a saw or, or you know a dagger or whatever? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it depends a lot. So, um, like I was saying, I really like that sharks are very diverse, um, and their teeth come in like different shapes and sizes. Some of them are actually like crushing plates that they use to get open shells. 
Um, so it's more like, you know, it's kind of going to feel more like a, a smooth surface, like your fingernail, like the top of your fingernail. Um, and a lot of them are, some of them are like kind of prongy and those are, those are going to be just like needles. They're very much like needles or, um, mega mouths have like these little teeth, uh, and they're just like a mouthful of, um, like, um, cat's claws. It's almost right. like a whole mouth, um, with cat's claws. And then, um, Makos have these kind of nail-like teeth, but they do have a ridge on them, which kind of feels it's like kind of a nail with like a broken glass kind of ridge. And then um, white shark's teeth are just, they're very much like a, like, a, like a serrated blade. They're sharp and they have just serrations on them. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it's very much like a, a serrated blade. All right, last one, Francisco. What's the biggest shark right now that's been tracked? Um, I'm not sure the biggest shark that's being tracked. Uh, the question is probably targeted towards um, white sharks, which I, I think I think everyone's talking about deep blue, which is supposed to be a, a large female white shark. But the the largest shark species in the world is the whale shark, um, and they get up to you know forty feet long, by far the largest. And um, I, I have no idea, you know, the individual individual's name, which is the largest that they're tracking. So uh, sorry, that one I don't know. Um, that's yeah. that's on him. Well, I'll blame him for the question, <laughs> not you for the answer. All right, uh, Brian, you got anything? Oh, no, I got nothing else. Dan? Yeah. Nope, all good. All right, uh, Paul, we'll, Paul, what we like to do here to make it a little fun at the end um, is our gun to your head segment. It's like a this or that or a would you rather, right? So we each ask three, oh. we each ask three <laughs> all right, hold questions. On. All right, you ready? We okay. asked three yeah. questions each, and you got to pick a winner at the end of the question you like the most, okay? So, uh, okay. a little of them are wordplay since we don't like to just do the would you rather this or that. So, um, I'll start it off. I'll go first. All right. For one year, would you rather watch Anchorman or carry an anchor everywhere? <laughs> uh, Anchorman, the movie, probably. Okay. Would you rather yeah. swim with a sleeper shark or get put in a sleeper hold? <laughs> uh, swim with a sleeper shark. <laughs> what hurts more, getting stung by a bee or barbed by a catfish? Oof. I would guess a catfish. You never been uh, barbed by one? No, I've I've worked with them. I was on a lake, but um. You should try have it you, out. Have you... <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's one. No, they're pretty. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's my three. Um, okay. Ryan, you're up. I'll go. All right. Um, would you rather swim through a school of sharks or run through a swarm of bees? Oh, school of sharks. Yeah, smart. Okay. Uh, would, would you rather only be able to watch the cartoon Street Sharks for the rest of your life or give sharks <laughs> the ability to walk on the street? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would prefer to give them the ability to to walk on the street. I would rather that would be terrifying. Uh, <laughs> no, but that sh that show was just not any good, and it would also make my research a lot easier. It's like you're walking to the sharks is walking around. But hey, buddy, come in the bar for a drink with me. I got some research to do. You're assuming they're friendly and they'd just be cool with it. <laughs> It'd be a great thing for calling out of work like, hey, I can't come in today. There's a great white shark just walking uh, around my house. We got we got street sharks. <laughs> yeah. Brian, I can't come one. in. I got to watch street sharks all day. <laughs> all right, last one. 
Uh, would you rather jet ski as your only form of transportation or go skiing with Benny the Jet Rodriguez? <laughs> uh, jet ski, I would say. Smart. Yeah. yeah. Dan, you're up. All right. Would you rather only be able to listen to really big fish or only be able to eat really big fish? Uh, probably only eat really big fish. Okay. Good, good choice. <laughs> um, this one's based off of uh, the shark that gives me nightmares. So goblins or ghouls? Uh, just as mythical creatures, I'll say goblins. All right. Um, yeah. And then I guess the last one, would you rather read a short story or watch Never Ending Story? <laughs> watch Never Ending Story. It's a great I movie. haven't seen that one for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Bro, how sad was it when that horse died? Oh, dude, we can't thank even, don't you. talk about that oh, right thank now. thank you. You guys have to watch this movie. It's one of the saddest moments it. in a movie. You guys haven't seen it? I've never seen it. I know it's, of it. I've it's just never so seen sad. it. I was like in like elementary school. It's like. so sad. Eric, you're yeah, up. Yeah, it's going to be hard to appreciate it, I think, as an adult. I also, I, uh, I named uh, a, a shark the Falcor Ghost Shark. Falcor Ghost. Um, after Falcor. Yeah, we actually were discussing this movie before you got on. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> Eric, okay. you're up. Would you rather be lost at sea for a week or lost in the desert for a week? Ooh, uh, at sea, like in the water? Do I have yeah, a raft? Yeah, on a boat, just like doing what Tom <laughs> Hanks did for a little bit. <laughs> probably the probably in the desert, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather be a ghost for a year or a ghost shark for a year? <laughs> good question. That's a good one. Thanks, guys. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I'll try the ghost shark. I'd be a go, and I'd just do all my exploration for a year in the deep oh, sea. There you Mark. go. Would you rather have the teeth of a shark or the tusk of a walrus? <laughs> uh, I think the teeth of a shark, probably. Tusk in the way. All right, yeah. Paul, you got to pick a winner. Any one question that stuck out? Uh, uh, Brian gets it with a street shark. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> and that was, as soon as when he said it, I knew. I was like, that's going to be the one. I had no you chance. I should have saved these. You know, you know, Brian has been in a slump for like yeah. six episodes, so he deserves oh, right? yeah. it. Give me the W. Paul, um, <laughs> plug your Instagram and website and stuff, because I know you, I was confused with your Instagram. I know you had like two. Oh man, I'm confused on my Instagram too. I had like, so first of all, I'm really, really bad with social media. Um, super bad. I have like 300 followers, like, and I have TV shows, you know, like that's how bad I am, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I, I have one that's Paul J. Clerken, and, and that's the one I think I'm going with. I have one with underscores for no reason. Uh, I have one for my nonprofit. I have one for my for-profit. I have one for um, I don't know, some oh for a TV series that I did a while ago. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be. I think it's just gonna be Paul J. Clerken. And your website? You have your own website, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have uh, just pauljclerken.com, and I have. Um, I have uh, deepblueresearchfoundation.org. Nice. All right, check them out. Catch them on Discovery Channel. This was really fun, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me, you guys. It was fun to chat with you.